Thank you for joining us. This is Paul Wilson. And Chris Emke. And you're listening to the Diesel Performance Podcast. Uh, Chris, the team went out and had some fun last night doing yeah. some doing some truck stuff. Some orthodox and unorthodox truck stuff, I guess you can say. <laughs> so uh, the guys in the R&D department, they've been, uh, it's no secret, they've been working on some Ford Raptor 3.5 liter EcoBoost engine stuff. So A truck I've made fun of for a lot of years, yeah. and then I actually drove one and... You look like an F-150 driver. Anyways, so um, EcoBoost, they make pretty decent power. Yeah. You know, impressive. I, no lie. Um, so they took that, and they took uh, Joe Hager, one of the guys that work over at Calibrated Power's uh, L5P, to the it, drag strip to get emission, some numbers. Emissions-equipped sled pole truck, now drag racing. Yeah, which, with I mean, come on, man. Emissions doesn't make power, so don't worry, <laughs> right? That's the theme. Um, but what was surprising is both trucks ran consistent 1330s. Yeah. Um, Hager's truck makes, you know, arguably about 550 wheel horsepower on our dyno. Uh, the EcoBoost makes just shy of 500. Yep. Um, so both of those vehicles that go, you know, 13 threes, 13 twos, um, at the mile an hour that they were going proves that the power's going to the ground. So home run across the board there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and those trucks, obviously much different weight. So different horsepower levels are going to get us, right, you right. know, different times and trap speeds and things like that. But they did, they backed up the number. So the, the, it's one of the things we always tell guys is dyno numbers, just a number on a sheet. What you want is the truck to feel a certain way. And a part of that feel a certain way is have a certain amount of power. Yeah. And the best place to back up your results from a dyno is a drag strip. Yeah. Cause we know what the math is based on the weight, the trap speed and ET of the truck. Yep. We can actually figure out here's the real power it's putting down to the ground. And both trucks are driving on the street this morning. So again, another home run. Yeah. So kind of boring. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Nothing broke. Uh, which is a great thing for us. <laughs> hey guys, uh, something we don't usually do is, is plug a couple of our sources. And now that's because 99% of the time we have an interview uh, yep. on the show, and that interview pretty much is our source. Today we're doing things a little bit different. Uh, there's a lot of talk going on in the industry. There's a lot of questions we're getting over uh, during our day jobs at Duramax Tuner but Calibrated Power. I'd say between the day jobs and the forums right now, man, things are blowing up in every forum from 12-valve, 24-valve Cummins <laughs> to third-gen you know, third 5.9 Cummins to L5P you know, the, owners yeah, new, and, every, and flight and any, fins, whatever the six hell that liter, group is. Six-liter Ford and everything in between. Man. Right. Just The last couple of weeks has really shooken up the diesel industry in, in a lot of ways. So, so one of the things we thought we would do is we would go get real, accurate, trustal, trusted, verified sources. Trustal, trustal information. Yeah, trustal. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so I went, I went to dieselhub.com, probably one of the best information sources about your diesel truck. If you want factual information about your diesel truck. Go to dieselhub.com. It's really easy. Uh, they have great articles, great resources, definitions of everything, links to everything else you could ever want. If you want to learn and you're just thirsty for diesel knowledge, it's a great Boom. place to go. And then the second website. Uh, I went to epa.gov. Wow. I know that sounds crazy, right? But um, a lot of people, there's a lot of hate for the EPA. There's a lot of uh, distrust of the EPA, a lot of wild, crazy conspiracy theory accusations about the EPA. Uh, but if you actually go to epa.gov, Turns out they have a very informative site. Uh, there's a ton of resources. There's a ton of explanations. There's also a ton of definitions. And there's actual legitimate publicly filed documents uh, that you you can read. You can read a lot of details about some of the things that went on that we're going to be talking about today. Um, and really what we're going to dive into today is, of course, emissions equipment. E emissions equipment in a big way. 
Um, I, I think a lot of people don't understand what emissions equipment is. Uh, I don't know how many guys have asked me, can I delete my EGR uh, but leave my DPF? <laughs> or, or hey, I just want to get rid of the DEF. I want an emissions equip tune, but I just want to get rid of the DEF. Um, so I don't think a lot of people understand what emissions equipment is. Yeah. I would say, too, you know, um, understanding, you know, EPA's, you know, statement, if you will, and their impact on the diesel industry and more or less, how did we get to where we are right now? Right. Yeah. What what happened? How, like, <laughs> what the fuck? Like, I woke up today and all of a sudden there's a notice. Yep. Not true. Actually, this has been going on for a long time. Um, we, we do want to discuss what's going on in today's climate. We're going to wrap that up near the end of the show, along with where do we go from here. Yep. So let's dive into it, Chris. First of all, I said a lot of people don't understand what emissions equipment is. In general, if you group all of the emissions equipment together, I think you could just describe it as pollution control devices. Yeah. Uh, we're really they're, they're watching tailpipe emissions. What comes out of the back of the vehicle? What's going into our atmosphere? Uh, you know, they're watching carbon, NOx, other pollutants. We're actually going to define the six yeah. pollutants that they watch. Um, but but there's a lot of parts that make up your emissions yeah, system. Yeah, I mean, when, when you think about the emissions as a whole, I mean, for starters, you have uh, the diesel particulate filter. Uh, which was introduced, I would say, second in uh, the lineup of emissions. Sure. Um, the first was, of course, the exhaust gas recirculation uh, setup, which is the EGR. EGR, man. So since 2004, 2004 and a half, 2005, um, I know a couple of the big manufacturers started introducing EGRs on diesels. EGRs have been in gas engines for a very long time. I want to clear up something about EGRs yeah. real quick. How many times have you heard a guy say, I don't want this EGR pumping dirty exhaust back into my engine. Uh, way too many times. Like a, a lot, day, right? A day, a day. This is what everybody thinks. Okay. So people, especially back in like, I, I know I always relate to the Duramaxes, so like 04 and a half when the LLY came out. Yep. They're out for a few years and all of a sudden guys are like, oh, my, my turbo veins are all gummed up because of my EGR. Or my EGR valve is stuck and now I'm losing boost or whatever problem because of my EGR. Well, yes. But but when you pull an EGR off and you have all of that buildup of that nasty gunk, that's not that's not exactly a clear depiction of what's being pushed back into your engine. No, no. That's... EGR actually uses inert gas, gas that has had all the oxygen burnt out of it. Mm -hmm. Is there some particulate in there? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But reintroducing that inert gas and mixing it with with oxygen and diesel fuel helps reduce the NOx of your vehicle. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's actually, it's really and important. And cylinder temperatures. And cylinder temperatures. Yeah. Totally correct. So so when we lower cylinder temperatures, we're going to get lower NOx emissions out of the tailpipe. So it's actually a really crucial part of meeting today's emission standards mm -hmm. to have your EGR functioning properly. Now, with all technology, and I think this is true across the board for all of the, the devices and shit, everything in your truck, as years go on, technology improves and we learn more. Yeah. We learn about how to make these things more effective, how to make them more reliable, how to make them last longer. Yeah. Uh, we tore off the EGR of Clean Sweep after a full season of sled pull. I think we had 12 pulls, 20,000 miles on the truck just that year. Uh, we pulled it off. Our EGR is perfectly clean. Yeah, I mean, I, we've had a couple. Of, we've had the luxury of pulling off a couple EGRs of service here. You know, we had the trucks in. We figured we would just do it just to do it. And, you know, surprisingly, it, it wasn't what we had thought, you know, maybe going on Google, typing in failed EGR and finding like an 036 liter <laughs> EGR system that has been through a couple turbos and those turbo oil seals ended up letting go. And that's where some, you know, it's just well, well, it's I think, all of these things as a whole. And I think that's the thing is I, I'm having a hard time remembering. I'm sure it's happened. But personally, I don't remember just an EGR failing. I remember a lot of vehicles that had 
a boost leak and then an EGR failure, yeah. a rail pressure issue, then an EGR. Something else mechanically went wrong, and then it, it's a very sensitive part. Yeah. So then anything that hits it that's wrong can really yeah. fuck it up. I mean, is what it comes down to. You're no longer, you know, running intervals of service, you know, longer than what would be uh, recommended from, you know, the the OE, or in my opinion, even sooner than is yeah. how I do it. Um, you know, but you have to be very uh, particular with, you know, fuel filter changes, oil re- oil changes, you know, where you're getting your fuel, how the truck is operating. I mean, any part in the system that's running incorrectly on the fuel and air side could potentially harm the emissions in the emissions system. Totally so. true. And I think we see that real heavily in the six fours. Yeah. I think six fours get a bad rap, yeah. uh, mostly because of the, some of those other problems. And I'm sorry, we were going down the list here. Uh, selective catalytic, catalytic reduction, that's an SCR. Mm-hmm. This has to do with your DEF system. So this is the application of DEF. DEF itself is your diesel exhaust fluid, your AdBlue or urea. Yeah. And that's all one, right? That That's all one one setup. Yeah. Um, and then you have the DOC, which is uh, the diesel oxidation catalyst. This is what heats your DPF. Yeah. So the, the DOC uh, has certain materials in it that allow it to heat up really, really quickly. So it responds to exhaust gas temperatures. Um, so as we run higher exhaust gas temperatures, whether that's just from the engine operation or from spraying uh, direct fuel injection into the exhaust, the DOC heats up the DPF and burns off all of the soot or particulate matter that's built up in there. Now, what what I like about this, you know, th- that that's the emissions system, right? Those are uh, to, to today's standards, these are all of the pieces that make the emissions system. Their only function, those pieces only function, is to meet emission standards. Now, yes. what, what's what what I like about that is, now we talk about the parts that have been on these engines for years. Okay, which are injectors, okay, CP3s or CP4 pumps, um, or HP4 pumps, depending on you know the newer uh, L5P sure. and the turbocharger. But those all have a direct impact on the emissions and how they work together. Turbo technology, injection pump technology, and even injector technology play huge, huge roles. And that's something that we've we've gotten a chance to actually ask the OEM about when we've interviewed guys like Rod Romain, who is the chief engineer at uh, HD for HD Ram Trucks, uh, and Nicola Menarini. Mm-hmm. We asked them, well, why are why are you guys changing fuel systems? Why does a six seven, uh, especially a newer model six seven, run much higher rail pressure than uh, an an O three does? Right, like when they first got into common rail. Well, they've learned about it and they've developed these injectors to run at a higher pressure because, because we get better atomization. Right, exactly. We get better atomization. We get better burn. We get less soot. It, it's a good thing all the way around. And that's the same that goes for the fuel pump and the turbocharger. Yeah. Uh, variable vane turbo technology would most likely not exist without emissions equipment, no, no. without mean, emission it, standards. Well, and it goes two ways. You know, you look at, you know, you, you reap a lot of benefits from a variable vane technology, right? Uh, quicker spool, uh, the manipulation of how the turbo comes in and out of boost, exhaust brake featuring, things like that. But the the variable vane is used to help work with EGR and in, in how it opens and closes. Right. So now there's like four functions of what the VGT was even known for, in the, you know, what, it, what why it was introduced. And that's why I think some of those like sellable results of variable vein technology, like quicker spool up, yeah. wider range of, of efficient uh, turbocharging, um, th- those I feel like were like, I don't, I don't know which was the cart or which was the horse. Right. I don't know if emissions standards came first and drove variable vein technology, or if Drivability and practicality drove it, and then they they bypassed it and used it uh, in another form. But it is interesting to see that every time we talk to somebody from the OEMs, they constantly bring up um, noise, vibration, harshness, so NVH, and then they bring up emissions equipment, 
and then they bring up customer demand for power. Yeah. They're the OEM. They have the the technology and the capability of providing you a 600 horsepower truck with a warranty from the factory. They could just build the parts we build in the aftermarket world and give them to you. Yeah. But there's all these other things that have to come first mm-hmm. for it to be a viable product. Um, I think one of the things that's easy to overlook as we talk about what is emissions equipment and how does emissions equipment work and things like this, why do we have emissions equipment? How do we get here? Right. Like what what happened? Um, and and I think as we dive into that, the EPA looks like a really bad guy. Yep. They, they look like the villain in the story. So before I kind of explain how the EPA came to be and why the EPA exists, I just want to talk a little bit about the power the EPA has to impact an industry. Well, I, yeah, I think, you know, for that, let's let's uh, paint a picture, right? Sure. 2007 and a half, right? 2008 come about and DPFs get introduced, right? Uh, the 6-4 power stroke, right? Introduction that year. 6-7 um, Cummins. Yep. Um, and then the uh, LMM 6-6 liter Duramax. You got it. Right? There was not a lot of knowledge. There wasn't a lot of informative things about emissions and this and that. Companies came out, tuners came out, remove it, make more power. Simple as that. It was a new product. Yeah. Right? It new, failed. New hardware. Right. And it failed. So it was it was an easy one for customers yeah. to have a demand. So one of the first household products or tuners that I remember seeing on all the websites and online was H&S. Anyone who's anyone, in my opinion, that has anything to do with diesel that's been in the diesel game for a few years has heard of this brand. Sure. H&S, Mini Max. I think there was like a Pro XRT. There was, there was a couple options, right? Yeah. Um, but they had a settlement, and they got an NOV issued back in uh, May of 2012. Right, which I don't think most people realize no. because what we remember is 2015 when they signed their agreement and it went public. Right, right, right. So- Back in 2012, they were served an NOV, okay? Agreement was signed in uh, December of 2015, and they, what was the fine, Paul? Okay, so so this is one of the places that I thought the EPA's website, uh, epa.gov, was a really good resource. You can actually go in and read the actual agreement between H&S and the EPA, and the same, the same is true for every other yeah. case study we're going to talk about. Um, in that agreement, there was some some very enlightening details. One, I remember, I just feel like I remember the fine being very, very high. It was $400,000 Wow, is what was listed uh, in the agreement. Now, things could have changed. There could have been addendums and all sorts of other shit that I didn't follow. But that doesn't include lawyer fees, battling this out, fighting this. This is, they had to pay $400,000 for the wrongdoing back in what, 2012 to 2015, essentially from when start to finish. Correct. And okay. not only that, but- also keep in mind, they this is after they negotiated because the, the way the EPA law is written or the way the Clean Air Act is written is that the violation fine is $3,750 per. per violation. Wow. In the agreement, they had listed a few different numbers, but in general, somewhere between seventy and 100,000 violations. Holy crap. Between hard parts and tuners – just do the math on that, what what that number would be. Yeah. Now, also at the time that they signed this agreement, it says in the agreement, H&S no longer sells any tuner products yeah. because they involuntarily lost their source. Bully Dog, a division of Derive, mm-hmm. uh, a co-conspirator with SCT, 
they also got fined. Okay. Now and when this they was got, all all in the same all, area, all, all very very close mm-hmm. to each other. When Derive got fined, um, they were told you are not allowed to sell anything that's going to go to anybody with emissions defeat devices. Do wow. you have to change your software so that people don't even have access to emissions controls in your because they were just releasing custom tuning yep. software, um, and you cannot sell to anybody that has anything to do with delete anywhere. Also. Derive got hit with a $300,000 fine as a part of their civil penalty, and they had to agree to spend $6.25 million to implement all sorts of changes to their their company. They had to completely rebuild their company. And and it actually says in there, like, you can actually read the bullet points. Here's all the things you have to do. Um, It it was right down to when, when will you have to recall the products you've already released. So it's it's insane, and, and I found all sorts of guys that got hit with shit like this. Um, th- there's another guy, uh, class, you know, class of America, C L A A S. They got hit. They had a two hundred thousand dollar fine. They settled back in two thousand sixteen. Just I just pulled a list of the EPA settlements in two thousand sixteen. So that doesn't tell me like when did they get their NOV, how much was was their their civil penalty, but I also found. Antrim Diesel Services, Eisenhart, Liberator, Patterson, Precision Automotive, Baltimore Motorsports. I mean, there was a whole list of people just in 2016 that settled. You can go through and see it every single year. You can read all of those and find out what did these guys get fined. It's not chump change. No, no. You get hit with $200,000, dollars $400,000. That's not... If your company's doing 5 or $6 million a year in gross sales, that doesn't automatically imply that you have... Five or six million dollars sitting around to pay out fines. That's not how math no, works. No, that's not how it works. Like this, for some of these companies like H and S, this destroyed their company. Yeah, well, that's that's the severity of what the EPA can do. Well, and I, I think, you know, um, diesel motorsports, right? The industry as a whole is very young. Yeah. Right. So everything's coming down. And I mean, I just uh, the time that I've been in the industry, you've been in industry, and any of us here. Um, we saw it in the high, and now we're seeing it kind of. I wouldn't say it's a low, but I would say what we're what we're coming to find out is is we have regulations just as the gas industry does, and the gas industry went through this a long time ago. Guess what? The EPA. This is something I think people forget because people hear what the EPA can do, and then their immediate reaction is to blame the EPA yep. to make them the villain for doling out these fines and going after these companies. But but what you guys don't remember is that the EPA has had this unfettered amount of power for a reason mm-hmm. um th- th- here this is this is how we got here this is directly from the epa's website for those of you conspiracy nuts who don't don't believe in the epa that's fine i, I i'm totally okay with that you believe whatever you want but this is what they have to say Congress established much of the basic structure of the Clean Air Act in 1970 and made major revisions in 1977 and 1990 dense visible smog in many of the nation's cities and industrial centers helped prompt passage of the 1970 legislation they then go on to say to protect public health and welfare nationwide the Clean Air Act requires EPA to establish national ambient air quality standards for certain common and widespread pollutants based on the latest science. I, I really put the emphasis on science there. That was me, not the writing. <laughs> EPA has set air quality standards for six common criteria pollutants. 
They include particulate matter, ground-level ozone, sulfur dioxide, nitrogen dioxide, carbon monoxide, and lead. Guys, if you talk to people who lived in major metropolitan areas, even even I know I'll take a lot of flack for this, somewhere like L.A., the L.A. Basin in the 1970s, there's visible smog hanging over the city. Visible, cloudy pollutants hanging over the city. This is something that Mexico City still deals with today. Um, It's not like that now. It's not like that now. That's what that's what I think a lot of people forget is that when we talk about the EPA, yes, it it fucking sucks when they come out and shut down a company. It is it is absolutely hurtful when they walk into a small business and they say you have made these violations. Here's hundreds of thousands of dollars of fines. That's terrible. That that is awful. But there is a reason and there is science behind what they're doing, and I think that's what a lot of people forget. Um, this works. We are going in the right path. One of the biggest problems we have is is figuring out how to control this on such a mass scale. Right. And I will say, as a consumer and somebody who drives a diesel vehicle every day, thank God they're not going after end users. <laughs> Just yet. Yeah, I, I mean, right. yet. I, I I don't know. This is something that I think people don't realize is that. You're upset that they find a small business, but man, if they show up at your door and they find you thirty-seven fifty, how happy are you going to be then? Right. How mad are you? Who are you going to be mad at at that point? Now replacing the DPF or the sensors or the EGRs, a small small change, sure. To a you know thirty-seven hundred and fifty dollar fine, and you're probably going to have to put the truck back to stock, and you're probably going to have to put more money into it to get it to where it was. Right. Not trying to scare anyone, but this is just logic. This is you know reality. And what I'm saying is not too far-fetched to any of our uh, Canadian listeners or anyone that has a friend or someone from Canada, uh, especially in the Ontario area. This is something that they do up there. Sure. I mean, the right. federal government's not going to show up at your home no. and say, let me inspect your vehicle. But what your, your municipal government, your local government mm-hmm. may do is say, oh, man, there's a lot of money to be made in fines over there. I wonder if we should set up a set of scales on the road. Who's yeah. seen a set of scales on the road? I know I have. Yeah, yeah, me too. You don't. You don't get to fight back about getting scaled. Or, or I mean, the simplest way would be to start enforcing uh, diesel emissions testing, like uh, where we're at in McHenry County. McHenry County has testing, but certain towns within the county is excluded. Right. For an example, where I live, I don't have testing. Yeah. Right. The next town over, five minutes down the street, they have testing. Exactly. So it's just it's crazy to me, and I think that that's where you're going to start to see the push moving forward is mandatory testing. They're going to start to incorporate a lot of that, and I think that's where some end users are going to not necessarily be happy down the road. Absolutely. With that spinoff, right, so uh, what's going on today, okay, right now? The biggest news out there is what we talked about last week. Um, The EPA settlement agreement with the PPI, uh, Corey Willis and PPI, just came out. Everybody just found out he got fined a million, one point one million dollars, mm-hmm. and uh, he is also starting a, some sort of emissions testing facility. Uh, I don't know if that was a part of his settlement or not. Yeah, I mean, um, Derive seem to have something pretty there, similar. You know, it is but, what it is. But it's a one point one million dollar fine, um, and, and it scared a lot of people. It it, it, well, it really woke a lot of people up to say what the fuck when they went onto their Easy Link and all of a sudden their files weren't there anymore. Right. So Easy Link, you know, a lot of the support that PPI has done in the past. Uh, last week, Monday, 2 p.m., everything wiped out. 
So now these guys spent money on an aftermarket exhaust, an aftermarket EGR to leak kit. They spent big money on tuning. Maybe they paid a shop to do it. Maybe they did it themselves. The tunes aren't off the truck, guys. The tunes are still on the truck. You can't remove the tune. But what you're not going to get is support moving forward. So if you made a change to the truck and you needed a tune altered, PPI is not going to offer any support for you. Done. Okay. And some of the other tuning companies that have been out in the past that they have been in similar situations, for an example, ATP Trucks, when they cut off support, the support was done. They would gladly unlink your unit or whatever. You can go to another tuner that could offer you that potential support, but they were not offering any tuning or modifications off of what they supported prior. Right. So now, you know, these guys are scrambling. Now, uh, to, to back up a little, as, as much impact as this current news with PPI has had, I feel like there's a lot of misled information. Yeah. Um Oh God, here, here's my favorite one. Tuning's done. Yep, tuning's Can't tune done. your vehicle. Can't that's, tune your that's vehicle. That's not true. The EPA said so. Right. That, that's that, not what that's the EPA said. That's what a lot said. of people are. Yeah. You know. Uh, and if you go, if you go as far back to derive, who, who's as far as I can find, and I may be wrong on this, but as far as I can find, they were the first diesel tuning company to get hit with these EPA fines for defeat devices that still exist. Wow. Okay. There could be somebody else prior to this, but they were they were definitely, I think, the biggest ones to get hit that are still around today. Um, a part of their settlement actually required all tunes going forward. It even says, if you, it, it, forgive me on the wording, I don't have it printed out in front of me, but it basically said, if you go get an EO number, if you go get CARB approval, your tunes are legal to sell. So it, it did offer a solution of saying, here's a legal way you, you could operate your company. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, what your company is, is a tuning company. Yep. They're not a delete company. Right. And, and there's a big difference there. Tuning, still wildly okay. Yep. Um, w- totally acceptable. Delete, it, delete tuning... Not, it's just going to be harder. And we're, we're seeing that from the distributors. Well, and I think you need to look at, too, um, to the guys that are out there and you're you know, soul searching, right? You're online. You're on the forums. You're trying to find that underground guy that's offering that type of support. Well, what's going to happen with that guy in a couple years? What happens with your truck in a couple years? Do you trust that guy? Does that guy have the R&D and the data to back it up? Or did he fine-tune somewhere or a base file that now he wants to be the next upcoming thing and wants to make a couple bucks? Right. Be smart about what you're investing your money into. I don't care if it's a $15,000 LMM truck or if it's a $70,000 you know, L5P. Right? right. Be smart about what you're doing with your trucks and where you're investing the money. Yes, Emissions, emissions. This is what this topic is today. It, man. The emissions is going to hurt my truck, guys. We have to stop thinking that way. That is not reality. That's just not. There's the what you're seeing is anecdotal experience being played up to people's fears because mm-hmm. people don't understand emissions equipment. They've heard a lot of bad things about emissions equipment, and and it's easy for a company to play on that fear and get your money out of your wallet. Mm-hmm. What you have to do is you have to stop, take a step back, and do a little research and understand the system. Well, let, let, let's throw a couple scenarios out there. I own an O3LB7 and my injectors went out. Okay, do you go and delete the injectors? No, you fucking replace them. <laughs> what are the injector lifespan on an LMM or an L5P or an in, in LML? Like, They got better. They improved. Yeah. What are you going to do if your, your 2004 Cummins turbo blew up? Well, you can't blame that on the fucking emissions. There was no emissions on the truck to begin with, right? You can't go and delete the turbocharger. Sure. 
My my 2015, the water pump went out last year. I can't go and delete the water pump. It was a moving fucking part, just right. like everything else is, right? But what where I'm getting at is, is as time has progressed, parts improved, right? So you're not seeing the failures like you did. You don't hear of an EGR failure on a newer truck like you did in, in 04. No. Okay, I don't care. Yeah. Are, there ish, are there certain guys out there that might run into a problem? It's mechanical, things fail, get over it, yeah. okay? But you can't go and just remove these parts and remove this and remove that. I want to talk about this one, Chris. Free flowing exhaust. I just want to give my truck some free flowing exhaust. Yo, you know what? Hey, I want to say, um, I remember years ago reading that. You know, the first things you did do an older Cummins intake exhaust and a tune on a twenty-four valve. I want to say that the truck was more gutless when I threw a five-inch exhaust on there. Now, working with over a calibrated, working with Nick, the years that I had. I remember reading this article years ago, you know, 400, uh, four inch exhaust was good for like 500, 600 horsepower. You want more than that? You need a five inch exhaust. Bullshit. We make over a thousand horsepower through a four inch exhaust with a muffler on our Suburban. Right. Right. You put a five inch on there, you're not making any more or less power. You gain nothing you, you but gain sound. gain the sound. So, you know, when you talk about high flow, free flowing exhaust, I will be the first to admit on air. If you were to look inside of a DPF, you're like, man, it's crazy that it's got to be a choking point. It's got to be a choking point. But then we get these trucks on the dyno, truck after truck after truck, making power, making power, making power. They're efficient. They flow. Let me. So, so when you have a choke point, I, I, I always wanted to, to call this logic out. When you have a choke point and it's past all of the equipment that makes power, are people suggesting that the back pressure in the exhaust is costing them compression in the engine. Well, what would end up happening is, is the engine has to work against expelling the gases out of the tailpipe. Sure, right. I mean that that is a thing. I mean, but I mean, I mean, here here's my thing. Until the back pressure between the DPF and the manifolds was greater than the exhaust pressure coming out of the cylinder, like until your back pressure was greater than the exit pressure of the cylinder, mm-hmm. why would it fucking matter? No, it wouldn't, but people don't think that. Right, right. And, that and that's what I'm saying. It's like, I don't I don't think people say, they say free-flowing exhaust. And I'm like, well, it's a turbocharged engine with high compression. There there should not be a back pressure conversation to be had here. Well, that's if that, again, if I, that's if like I the chop, If I chop the fucking downpipe off of my turbo that feeds directly into my exhaust, why would I make any more or less power? I'm past all of the parts that make power. But the deep. But the the way guys are looking at it, and I think what what, we're, what you're missing is the DPF has has netting, it has material. It does, yeah. Okay, so you can't visibly see through it. it yep. Right. Totally. So agree. therefore, the theory is is it hinders flow, it hinders exhaust flow. So now it's a blockage. That'd be like putting a potato in the tailpipe. If you get like a little four cylinder engine, you put a potato in the tailpipe and really lodge it in there, the engine might not even start. Sure. Right, because it can't, it can't pump, it can't, you know, push out because because it's, it's an engine pump, you know, it's a right. Pump, and I, pump. I understand, and that's what I'm saying is like the, I understand that concept, mm-hmm. right, of what of what you're saying and what a plugged exhaust would do, yeah. but it would have to be completely plugged to cause a problem in a diesel engine. No, I, I do, yeah. yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yeah. but that's where company, you know, what, what what CPS has been doing for years, improving the model, works. Right? right, these theories of having the delete to make power is bullshit. It, right? it, it just we, doesn't back it, up. No, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. And now what, what's great is now we're starting to see other people agree. You're starting to see a lot of other shops, 
big companies in the industry that, you know, maybe they were like low key supporters, maybe they weren't supporters at all. Now everyone's like, okay, now they're looking at the bigger picture, the diesel industry as a whole, not a small segment of remove emissions, remove emissions, remove emissions. Yeah. So uh, one, one of the guys I think that we haven't talked about or groups we haven't talked about is install shops. We've talked a lot about manufacturers and tuners and, yeah. and large distributors. I mean, this all trickles down to them. all people who have gotten NOVs, by the way. Some of the largest distributors out there, some of the smallest distributors, um, but even the install shops. Let's say you haven't ever gotten visited um, and, and actually find, right? Mm-hmm. But you've been doing deletes for the whole time. It's not going to happen. Well, to me. now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, <laughs> it, your supply is getting short. Yep. It, it's harder to find these parts. Oh, it's harder to get the correct parts. Well, I mean, and it wasn't very long ago. FlowPro had f- like a, a half a million dollars of product stopped at the border. Now, guys, this is five hundred thousand dollars at distributor cost. Right. Right. Distributor cost. That's well over a million dollars in products at minimum a million dollars of yeah. products stopped at the border, and that was just exhaust systems. Let, let me just also call out, that is the EPA telling a foreign-owned company no. Yeah. Yeah. So, you can't bring this product in. So now, you know, these guys, you know, listeners, you guys want a Flow Pro exhaust, good luck finding them. You might find one, like, with uh, the incorrect, you know, label on them, and they might say it's a Flow Pro or whatever. Yeah, and, there's there's going to be a lot of creative yep, solutions yep. And out I mean, there. The, the reality of it is, is you can't go on the major mail orders right now and go order an EGR Delete, a 5-inch yeah. straight pipe exhaust for your 2015 truck. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. And now the tuning. You aren't going on these websites, going on these you know mail orders and buying the tuning to support something like that. Again, that's the EPA's movement. That's the EPA saying, listen, guys, we have this under control, and this is our game. Yeah, it's done. There, there, there is no, there's no pushback. Uh, I just read somebody trying to blow up uh, Corey on basically blaming him for not fighting the EPA on behalf of all of diesel truck owners out there. And I wanted to reach through Instagram and choke that guy as hard as I could. I honestly, I just, it just, it aggravated me so much to have the audacity to tell somebody else who's a private business owner in the United States of America that they should go out and they should invest their money and they should risk their freedom because literally we're talking about being pushed to the level of of potential criminal yep, action, yep, yep. Um, and to fight for diesel truck owners. Dude, you bought the truck. Mm-hmm. You're the diesel truck owner. How about this? You figure it out. Go buy something you, else. You go buy your shit. Like yep. You invent this stuff. You invest your money into fighting the EPA. Do you know how large of industries have have fought the EPA? Oh. None that won. I mean, None that won. The only thing that I will say, and this is nothing against Corey, but Corey did say he's fighting for the people. Like he he did make some. He he did. No I think what, the, I think the listen, gentleman was out of line, in my opinion. The, the gentleman was out of line, and I think Corey did fight this for as long he as did. he could. I mean, you got to think about this, guys. He's been the, the one thing I want to touch on right now. This didn't just come about two weeks ago, right? Corey's been going through this. PPI has been going through this since like 2014. Yeah, 2014, and you know what? Maybe not in 2014, 2015. He wasn't too, you know, open about it. But come 2016, 2017, 2018, I mean, he was more vocal about, hey, this is what's going on. We're fighting for our rights. This is what I believe. And I mean, he he is passionate about what he does, and he took forth and took action about what he believes. Yeah. And you know what? This is the aftermath. He's still in business. He's still in the industry. He's going to push the industry along other companies beside other companies to make 
knowledge in emissions on, in in setups, in what the future of diesel looks like, really positive in my opinion. Absolutely. And that's something like guys have brought up to us like, oh, Corey's your competitor. Corey's Corey's a good guy. He's another guy in the industry. Yeah. We we've met Corey. We've talked to Corey. We like Corey. Yeah. Um and, and and we're we're glad to see people making it through the other side yeah. of an NOV and a set of fines. And like I said, I, I gave a whole list of all of these shops. Some of these guys are small shops. I know some of these shops. They're they're great guys. They're yeah. great shops. They do awesome work. Hey man, you get hit by the NOV. You get you get put down as a small business owner. You got to find your way to work back up, yep. and that that's what I love to see is that there are people in this industry who are going to make it through to the other side and, and actually see this industry continue to progress forward. Okay. Guess what? We're not getting vehicles from the from the OEM without emissions equipment, yep. guys. That means emissions equipment is here to stay. Yep. It's just a reality. Um, we don't talk politics on this podcast. There's been a little bit on on the politics front of what could happen with carb and epa right. and 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 you if, if you're a trump supporter great if you're a, a, a california carb supporter great i don't i don't give a shit please don't message me about it um <laughs> just so truly uh but but what we're seeing is that the manufacturers believe in emissions the manufacturers themselves believe believe in emissions. They believe in the standard for emissions. They believe in the necessity of emissions. They're not going anywhere. We're going to have emissions. The only way to succeed with this is to figure out how to work with the emissions equipment instead of against it. And I want to say, guys, you know, right before you know we wrap this up, is uh, you know I've made this reference in the past. But to the newer listeners, you know, um, th- again, this is a little before my time or when I was old enough to really comprehend. But look back in the gas world. We're 20 years delayed in where the gas world is, in all Truth. honesty. And, uh, you know, uh, if you were to have told someone, you know, ask your dads, you know, ask, you know, uncles, grandpas, something. To, to today's standard, would you have seen a 500 horsepower? 600 yeah. horsepower. There's seven, 800 horsepower vehicles on the street right now from the factory with factory emissions. So, did they ever think that that was possible? 100%. I don't even, the answer is no. Right. right. And, you know, we're coming to the market now with 400 plus wheel horsepower and, you know, thousand feet pound of torque from the factory emissions. It's something that is just going to be able to be grown on and, and built off of. And, you know, um, I know that, you know, to all the late adopters or the people that don't want to accept what is coming, give it a little bit more time. You know, I I think a lot of guys are going to swallow their words. They're going to look back on Facebook post memories a couple of years from now and be like, oh, fuck. <laughs> you know, maybe I wasn't as educated as I thought or, you know, maybe this is, you know, a little different. Just be a little bit more open minded. Don't message me bashing me. Don't message Paul bashing Paul. It's the reality. It's the future. It is what it is. Take it or leave it. Our producer, Justin, uh, he he is welcome to some bashing, though. So if you do feel like you want to blame somebody, <laughs> uh, here in the office, we all blame Justin. <laughs> feel free to send in any messages you want blaming Justin. We will start a hashtag, blame Justin. <laughs> I am a carb fan, I guess, apparently. Right? I hate you I'm so like, much. I'm How just kidding. You. I'm not. <laughs> Jeez. Um, guys, I think that's it for today. Okay. Uh, next week we're going to be back. We have some really exciting stuff. Uh, we're either going to have a guy with a really, really cool build on, or we're going to be doing a ride along in a 2020 Duramax with tuning. Uh, so the new L5P, we're going to do a side-by-side ride along. Or maybe we'll have both. Yeah, maybe, maybe both. We'll see what happens. Let's see how, uh... We don't plan for the podcast future. We just exist. There we go. We can, we can cut that out at the end, please. As for today, this (laughs) has been Chris. And this is Paul. Thanks for listening.
people know a lot about trucks. Bing, bing, bum. Thank you very much. We're not your